0: Welcome, friends, to the Girl Mom Podcast. This is Carrie Kampakis, your host. Today's episode is about race relations and how we can build better bridges with our brothers and sisters of color. As you'll hear, my friend Tony played a special role in my journey with Christ, and it started with the simple fact that I noticed a piece about Tony that I wanted for myself. Tony is a prayer warrior and a woman of deep faith, and it shows in the way that she lives her life. On top of this, Tony is delightful and fun and I'm honored she's agreed to come on to the Girl Mom podcast. Tony has three daughters herself, so she has a lot of wisdom to share on that front, too. Thanks for tuning in to this special episode, and enjoy the show. So, recently I filled out a podcast interview questionnaire where they asked me to name a few turning points in my faith journey that deepened my relationship with God. Out of the blue, I remembered an old friend named Tony Vines. Tony and I actually met about 17 years ago when I took pictures of her family, and in the years that followed, we sometimes would run into each other at the gym. She is just delightful, and what always stood out to me was this peace that Tony had that I wanted for myself. So many years ago, I ran into Tony one morning after having a really tough time with my strong-willed toddler, who was age one at the time, and just driving me up a wall. She was very different than her obedient and calm older sister. So when I saw Tony, I told her that I needed help and advice. My toddler had me at my wits' end and I could barely handle her. Tony smiled calmly, and she said that she had a book she would bring me the next day. I was all for this, and I honestly was expecting a parenting book, but instead it was a Christian book titled The Power of a Praying Wife by Stormia Martian. Because I trusted Tony and I was desperate, I dove into it and loved it. And even though this book wasn't about parenting, It calmed my heart and put me in a good place as I read it before bed. Well, that one book started me on a journey of reading Christian books at night. As soon as I finished one, I jumped into another, eager to learn more about Jesus, the Bible, and a way of thinking that was unlike the most common mindsets of this world. These books ultimately led me to quit being intimidated by the Bible and to start reading it as well. It all changed my heart. And though I was already a Christian and had attended church my entire life, they really stirred inside of me a desire to grow and learn and become a better Christian. Today, I can honestly say that I wouldn't be writing Christian books if it wasn't for that first Christian book that Tony gave me. God used her to give me what my heart needed. And when I ran into Tony a few years ago and she told me that she'd bought my book for her daughter, I marveled over the way that God had weaved our stories together over the course of many years. So as Tony came to mind recently as I was filling out that questionnaire, I felt a nudge to reach out to her. I wanted to get her perspective and her opinion on what's happening in our world right now regarding racial tensions and race relations. And I wanted to also talk about how she thought we could find common ground across cultures and skin tones. Tony is the mom of three beautiful girls, and she has a ton of wisdom to share about being intentional in that regard too, and talking things over with God when making decisions for herself or her family. Tony will sift what she hears, thinks, and experiences through the Word of God, and she waits for him to tell her the next right step. Right now, she's waiting for the green light to launch an exciting new ministry called Mercy Deliverance Ministries, which she'll also talk about today. She is smart and kind and full of the Holy Spirit, and it's my honor to welcome her to the Girl Mom Podcast. So welcome, Tony, and thank you for joining us today, and I just want to start off by letting you tell us a little bit about yourself and the faith journey that's made you who you are today.
1: Well, first of all, Kara, I just want to thank you for inviting me here today. And let you know what an honor it is to be here and how proud I am Mm -hmm. to be here and to have watched your journey from afar, from photography to writing to freelancing and all the other many hats that you wear. So I just want to, again, thank you and commend you for everything that you've done. And as far as me, uh, again, my name is Tony Vines, and I'm the founder of Mercy Deliverance Ministries. Uh, I am a registered nurse by profession. Uh, my husband, uh, Tim, and I have been married for 29 years, and we have three daughters and two grandchildren. So a lot has transpired since our, our days of toddlers running around <laughs> the house and driving us crazy. Right. So, you know, that's, we've come a long way yeah. <laughs> in raising those children. So, as far as my journey of faith, um, I guess I can say that started for me personally with a praying grandmother, um, and uh, you would have to know a little bit about my personal story and that uh, I was born to a 14-year-old mother. I in wow. turn uh, had my first child at 16, and in wanting to break those cycles of poverty, those cycles of sin. In seeing my grandmother lay a godly foundation of prayer my entire life, I have always sought God with uh, those types of questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, wanting to lay a solid godly foundation for my own daughters so that they would not in turn repeat the same cycles. And uh, I just knew there was a better way. <laughs> so my daughters were um, my um, motivation. They were my incentives to stay anchored. And to continually seek God to make sure that they did not repeat those cycles. I just knew there was a better way. I knew God had a better plan and, uh, and I was just determined to live it, to walk it, to be it, and see them uh, stand on a better foundation than I had. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one thing that I've always loved about you is that you've
0: just been so intentional in your parenting and in your prayer life and now I know that you get that from your grandmother. And, you know, when I think of you and I think about what made me ask you for advice that day, it's because of the peace that you had. And it reminds me of the saying that's popular in Christian circles, preach the gospel at all times, use words if necessary. So like I said, even when I barely noticed you, I, just, I remember looking at you at the gym and you just had this peace about you. Even if we were talking about parenting and the common trials of raising toddlers and all that, you had this peace about you that I wanted for myself. And, you know, now that I'm a little bit deeper into my faith journey, I know that it takes a lot of hard work and constant wrestling with God to not only get to that place of peace, but to stay there, especially when we live in a world, I say, you know, right now you got everybody's trying to poke the bear. He's trying to get emotional reactions out of all of us. And we do have strong opinions and emotions because of all the, you know, unjust things going on right now. Um, So I really want to ask you about, you know, I think that's something people
1: would be curious about is how do you, how do you find that place of peace? Well, it's interesting that you made the comment intentional, and that's exactly what i we have to do. that's what I had in mind. You have to be intentional. We first have to realize that we have an enemy
0: mm-hmm.
1: and uh, his primary goal is to keep and disrupt keep us from God, our heavenly Father, and to disrupt that relationship. So once we realize that we have an enemy. Mm -hmm. that hates us simply because God loves us. Mm -hmm. And we also are human, and we also have a will, and we also have to understand that God loves us, and he knows what's best for us because he made us. He knows us better than we know ourselves. And once we understand that sovereignty and that love, then we can submit to what he ultimately wants for us and walk in that. So being intentional in regards to... um, taking everything to God in prayer. I have often heard people tell me, you pray about everything. And it took me a long time to get there. Mm -hmm. But just after coming out of the background that I came out of, after making my own mistakes, trying to do it myself, Mm -hmm. I just know every thought, every decision, every emotion, everything has to be taken back to the Lord. Mm what do you say about this from where are we going on vacation to what should we be doing, having for dinner. And if you spent that time with God, you know that your heart is in the right place, your mind is in the right place and he's going to lead and guide you. So first is like you said, being intentional, intentional, Mm -hmm. asking God, taking absolutely everything to him in prayer. The word tells us to take every thought captive to make it obey Christ. So he wants to be a part of our every thought. Mm -hmm. So it's not I'm making it through the day, I'm making it through the hour, I'm trying to make it through this next thought. We are one thought away from sin. Oh, that's good. Yeah. So it's thought to thought. Right. Our thoughts. Mm -hmm. And just asking God, Holy Spirit, to control my mind, control my thoughts. So being intentional, taking everything, every thought to God in prayer, Mm -hmm. and asking God, to make us aware of what we're thinking about. Mm-hmm. That's the first thing. Every thought that we have is doesn't come from us. The enemy is constantly throwing things at our minds. Mm-hmm. The battlefield is our mind. And then the next thing is learning how to say no. Being intentional about God, what do you want from me? What am I called to do? Mm-hmm. Releasing false responsibilities. Some things are not even our responsibility. There are some things that God wants us to do, but we can't do them because we're so burdened over uh, burdened with things that we want to do, or we feel obligated, mm-hmm. just those false sense, of resp- false sense of responsibility. So learning how to say no, having margins in our lives, and have, setting godly boundaries and est- setting them, establishing them, and maintaining godly boundaries. And uh, we are so afraid of people and what people are going to think, and we want that approval of people so much that we do harm to ourselves in our own relationship so again being intentional setting those boundaries and then realizing we owe no man nothing but to love him and I think you're so right
0: as women we I mean this is something it took me years to learn is that not every assignment that is you know not everything that's offered to you is meant for you to take that you really do need to take all of those things to God because everything that we agree to do is going to take time away from something that he might really want us to do And I think that's why we're so exhausted so much and so weary is because we're trying to do too much. And then um, I also want to talk about the spiritual warfare. You know, you and I have talked about that. And, you know, one thing that we talked about with George Floyd and all the terrible things that are dividing our country right now is also in the midst of all that division, you know, we're also seeing so much beautiful work being done by the Holy Spirit. And in one of our recent conversations, you shared something that really has stuck with me and I keep replaying in my mind but you said, only God could put the same feeling in all of us, that, you know, why is it our hearts are so convicted right now and there are so many of us united in this desire for change when there have been previous events, but it just, the movement has not caught on like it has right now. Well, yeah, I
1: I do remember that conversation and um, I think God is trying to get our attention. And if you look at, we were already in a tender space with COVID-19 and the pandemic and being um, quarantined in a more humble place in our hearts. Some of us more than others uh, with the initial, what we'll just say with the pandemic, some people were questioning God, why would he allow this to happen? So we're all in different places, different walk at different places and different points where our walk with the Lord, if we're walking with them at all. But with that being the case, we were already somewhat set up. And then as we started venturing out again and uh, quarantine was being relaxed again, then this situation, uh, George Floyd's death occurred. And I think because we were a little bit more tender, Mm -hmm. we were already more quiet. We were not as busy. He was able to get our attention a little bit more And with the manner in which he was killed, it didn't leave a whole lot of guesswork as to the circumstances surrounding his death. It was plain. There are very few people that can deny it was what it was. Some still are. Right. But but if you've got a heart at all, Right. It is what it is. It's obvious. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, and then the next thing that I see is the Bible tells us judgment starts with the household of faith. He also says, I'm not saying we're being judged. That's not what I'm saying. But we're the body. We're to be the light. The Bible tells us that if my people who are called by my name would humble themselves, pray, seek my face and turn from their wicked ways then I would hear from heaven I would heal your land so the onus and the responsibility is that of the body of Christ Mm -hmm. he's calling for the church what have you done what are you doing and what are you going to do God wants to bring us as the body into unity unity Mm -hmm. unity and then with that being the case the enemy is coming against that unity. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: So you've got extremists in every corner from all extremes of politics, platforms, you name it. Mm -hmm. Everybody wants to have a voice, they want idolatry, that pride, and as the body of Christ are we sifting everything through the Word of God. We are in warfare, God wants us unified, the enemy hates unity. What could we really do as the body of Christ if we were unified? And, um, and all the different extremes and different factions throughout society, mm-hmm. they're coming against that. But we have to be before the Lord change me, show me me, and what's my assignment in my sphere of influence. Okay, Tony, we have talked about 2020 being the year of the voice, and, you know, it's
0: a year to hear our father's voice, and also a lot of these voices that have been around for years, maybe black authors or podcasters or researchers, and maybe they had a smaller audience for a time being, and they've had a a larger audience through all this, which is great, and I know that there are a lot of, like, white women like me who are trying to educate ourselves and grow and learn, And one voice that you turned me on to that I really like is Dr. Anita Phillips. I think she did a really powerful Facebook Live with Christine Kane. And one thing she said is she said, I want the body of Christ to be the platform for which I work. So what advice do you have for white women like me, like I said, who are in the season of listening to black voices and trying to educate ourselves and really just understand what's happening today in context of what's happened in the past in history? but um, how we can use this platform for Christ to become allies and to really unite in our effort to, to make some changes happen.
1: Right. You, um, like I said, we've talked about, you know, that establishing a strong relationship personally with Christ, you know, that's first and foremost. And then, uh, after that, uh, just understanding, uh, culture. And, uh, that's where Dr. Nita Phillips came in. Like you said, she did a, uh, Instagram live with Christine Kane and, um, uh, Right after um, George Floyd's death, and uh, she shared her personal journey uh, with racism and how God basically told her to stop studying Scripture, to put Scripture down, and to study culture. Oh, interesting! And in oh, that okay. Facebook Live, she lays out um, a, Europe, a Western European culture. I mean, worldview. Versus a Western um, Aruba worldview that has basically been passed down through the white Caucasian community and the black African American community. And God had her, and she's a therapist, a licensed therapist, and um, God had her in her own personal situation dealing with racism to go, no, it's not about scripture right now. You need to understand the cultural backgrounds and their worldview as to how they view life. And once you see that difference, you can understand how they look at the world differently. And uh, to make it a long story short, basically uh, Western European culture, and she gives definite examples and research, Uh, basically looks at the world from an uh, authoritative, individualistic viewpoint Mm -hmm. from a God that's far off and removed from an an authoritative uh, viewpoint in which authority must be revered and uh, respected compared to a more African worldview where God is relational, communal, community, near And it's more of a group view, community view. And God is not so much punitive as he is relational. And you take these two worldviews and they clash when it comes to certain issues and how they view life and view authority. So in regards to what can not just Caucasian women do, what can we all do as the body of Christ? What can we all do as humans, not just the body of Christ? Mm -hmm. What can we all do as humans is to, again, know who we are in Christ and then listen to not respond, but listen with the heart and empathy to understand. Right. And uh, knowing that the Bible tells us, he told the children of Israel, remember where I brought you from. He didn't tell us to forget the past. We need to understand our history, our human history. It's his story. Mm -hmm. History is his, God's, Christ story. So how can we negate any part of it? Right. So we have to remember the past Mm -hmm. so we cannot repeat it and know where we're going in the future. That's biblical. So when people tell us, no, that was in the past, can we get over slavery? Well, we need to understand what happened, why it happened, And, again, the problem is multifaceted. Uh, You know, as the African-American community, there are some things that we have to do and own. And as African-American people, you know, we've got to take ownership of some things for ourselves. And, again, not just point the finger at somebody else. But those things, but if we all take responsibility Mm -hmm. for what's our responsibility,
0: we'll move forward. That is so key. I think you just summed it up there. Mm-hmm. And that reminds me of a, a saying that a friend of mine who was in AA, they have the best sayings in AA, but she once told me that um, she was going through some stuff and, you know, her husband was mad at her. She's like, I can't worry about, about his stuff. Like, she's like, that's his side of the street. I've got to sweep my side of the street. Mm-hmm. And that's what they teach him. And mm-hmm. I was like, that's just a good life lesson. Mm-hmm. that just We've got to all sweep our side of the street, the things that we're responsible for. The things that we need to take ownership of whether it's a mistake or a decision or a choice you know right. just take responsibility mm-hmm. for our side of the street mm-hmm. and get it right and right. if everybody's doing that
1: we're going to we move, move forward, forward. we're going to mm-hmm. move forward and so uh but like i said the problem is multi- multifaceted there's a spiritual aspect of it uh racism is rooted and grounded in fear hatred is rooted and grounded in fear and when you have racial issues that come up or thoughts come up then you got to stop and go okay lord what am i afraid of here Mm-hmm. And get into, That's that hard work. Take time to get quiet before the Lord, acknowledge it, and go, okay, what am I afraid of here? I'm afraid of something, or I'm going believing believe in a lie. False evidence appearing real. The real, that's fear. False evidence appearing real. So I'm a believing a lie on the line somewhere, and I'm walking in fear. And if we would learn to just, Holy Spirit, convict me and show me when those things come up and wow. acknowledge them in that moment, it's a split second couple of seconds. A quick prayer between you and the Father. Nobody even knows you've had that thought. Nobody even knows you've had that prayer but you and the Holy Spirit. So let's switch gears now and talk
0: about a big dream that God put on your heart several years ago. You are about to launch a new ministry here in Birmingham called Mercy Deliverance Ministries. And I just think it has the most brilliant mission to bring fresh produce to low-income communities in both Birmingham and Hawaii is that right yes yes, okay and my understanding and you can correct me on this but my understanding is that basically what you're going to do is refurbish old school buses and paint them white and then create it's almost like a, a grocery store on wheels that's just packed with healthy food selections and then visit these areas that may not have access to fresh food or even grocery stores so tell us a little bit about this ministry. I just I think it's so smart, and I can't believe nobody's doing it already. But um, also tell us about how your background as a nurse helped inspire this vision.
1: Well, actually, uh, you are right. God just spoke to my heart years ago when the girls were little, and He's just to start piecing things together. And uh, he basically told me I had a passion for deliverance, and he kind of confirmed I had a gift of mercy. And mercy is being able to walk alongside of people during a hard time until God kind of delivers them and, and gives them some peace and delivers them and relieves their burdens. So, you know, he had given me, uh, spoke several things to my heart, and at the time I didn't realize what they were. And uh, it wasn't until about a year and a half ago that he told me, and he had me write things down in prayer, I'd write all these things down in prayer, and then about a year and a half ago he told me to go find those folders and things and um, journals that I had and to start praying over them again so out of that prayer he kind of gave definition to what is now mercy deliverance ministries and um and along every, with every step of obedience he's given me more and more clarity uh from you know medical mobile clinics to uh, mobile grocery stores and that type thing so there are you know other people that have started to do the same type thing but it's all the wisdom of God and there's so much work to do so I don't claim it's mine necessarily it's just I'm being God is allowing me to be a part of what he's doing so um with that being the case um it's we're 501c3 um and uh totally not you know profit and I'm in the process of refurbishing that first school bus and um you know we'll be looking for volunteers and God has put on my heart some things to do for the homeless so the first aspect of the ministry will be the mobile grocery stores, and we'll be hosting pop-up clinics, you know, in different areas of town, Mm -hmm. and um, we'll have a kind of a sliding scale um, eligibility type thing where people can come and make purchases or even get free produce and free food if they need it, and then uh, we'll be also, and even if someone wants to stop by and buy something on their way home from work if they see us, that type thing, and then along with that, we'll also have mobile health clinics that will be accompanying the uh, grocery vehicle and as uh, people are you know buying groceries they can also get those health care needs met at the same time and uh, and just meeting people at their point of need. And um, and as we're doing that we'll build in relationships. We'll be able to discuss with them what's going on in their home, you know, offering prayer. Bible schools, vacation no vacation Bible schools, financial peace, Dave Ramsey's financial peace. So we have a big uh, variety of programs laid out to um, help people as we are journeying, j- make, walking along with them in their journey along the way throughout life. Mm-hmm. Which the first need is to for food and health care, building relationships, and how else can we help you? these cycles of poverty, education, and, and so forth and so on. Mm-hmm. Just breaking those cycles. Same things that I've had to walk out of myself. Yeah, and I just, I love because, you know, you hear about a lot of different um, missions
0: and ministries, but I love the fresh food aspect. That's just something a little bit different. But, I mean, I, I think the timing is so good, too, because we live in an age of this, the clean food movement and people are so much more aware of what they're eating, but that's not always the case in a low-income area where you're just trying to survive. Like I said, they might not have access to this fresh food, but you know, as we all know, what we eat influences how we feel and how we think. I mean, I like junk food as much as anybody else, but you know, that sugar high and the crash—it's real. It's everything. It's everything, and just you know, when you're not, when we're not eating well, not taking care of our bodies, it's hard to be in our peak condition to really you know, to be to be the people that God wants us to be. And so really just taking care of people at that most basic level, just basic. starting from the inside out, not only with their spiritual life, but also just their physical needs. Right. I think it's such a great ministry.
1: It is. Uh, you know, there are um, so many areas within Birmingham itself that are classified as food deserts that they don't have a grocery store within a mile. Wow. And there are lots of issues and reasons behind that. And it, there's a whole historic... Story behind so much of that. But they have created what we call food deserts today, and where people's primary source of, uh, or where people's primary uh, means to purchase food is from a convenience store, which is packaged, processed food. And then, which further contributes to the high incidence of diabetes, heart disease, stroke, where Alabama ranks in the top in the nation always so in order to uh, lower those incidents of disease we have to address food education and how to properly prepare those foods but forget preparing if you don't have access right right what good is it right so again you're right meeting people at their basic need and that's what jesus did for us you know Mm -hmm. and so you've got to show me jesus before you can tell me jesus that's good so well tell me i know that there will be
0: businesses and individuals and churches who want to get involved either from a financial standpoint or a volunteer standpoint what is the best way for somebody to to get involved and to find
1: out more well the website is www.mercydm.org or www.mercydeliveranceministries.org. They both will get you to the website, um, and then you can follow us on our social media platforms, which is MDM God's Love, and that's uh, MDM God's Love Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And uh, we're still building right now. So in that process, you can uh, go to the website, learn more about my story, how the uh, ministry came about, learn about some of our initiatives. We'll have, we already have some blogs up, and this will be one of them, and uh, just learn more about us and follow the story as we're building, follow us as we're building. So we've done a few videos about the uh, purchase of the bus, and, and we'll continue to document that on that journey as it's being built. And uh, it's just amazing how God has brought in all the right people um, to do this, and just He just has has been phenomenal. And uh, I'm in awe of what God has done. And He's just told me to trust Him and obey. And this is completely out of the blue for me, completely out of the left field. But um, this is where He's starting with us, and uh, we're we're crazy enough to believe God and trust God and obey Him. Okay, well, last thing, Tony, you
0: recently shared also with me a prayer that I love, and I wrote it down so I wouldn't forget it. Um, You said, this is something I think you pray pretty often. Lord, bring me the right people, remove the wrong people, and give me the discernment to tell the difference. That is so beautiful, and because you are a prayer warrior, would you mind ending us in a prayer today? Okay.
1: All right, Father God, we just want to thank you um, for this time together we want to thank you for um, the work that you have done in our hearts the work that you are doing in our hearts and the work that you uh, will continue to do in our hearts I pray for everyone that is listening to this broadcast and that will ever hear this broadcast that they would come to know you deeply as their father and as they become more intimately aware of you and walk in step by step by step with you, that you will grow them into the person that you've created them to be. And I pray that they will fulfill their destiny. They will fulfill the call of God for their life. They will fulfill the purpose for which you created them and that you, Father, will be glorified. And I just thank you, Lord, for um, our nation. We thank you right now for President Trump, for his leadership. We thank you that you would lead and guide all of our leaders, our police officers, uh, the African American community, the Caucasian community, the body of Christ, all people of color, all races the human race we thank you that you are god of all and i thank you that you would turn our hearts to you lord god i pray that we who are your people we who are called by your name i pray that we would humble ourselves that we would pray that we would turn from our wicked ways seek your face and i pray lord that you would have mercy and heal our land in this time Lord, I thank you for uh, Jesus. I thank you that he is the Lion of Judah and that he is coming back this time with all power. And I thank you, Lord, that you are preparing us. I pray that you would uh, tenderize our hearts and that you would give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart to turn to you and be healed, to be whole, and that as the bride of Christ, that you are making us without spot, without blemish, that we will show forth your glory for such a time as this. So we thank you, Lord, as you're preparing us to pave the way for the king of glory to come back. And I thank you that you're preparing us to reap the harvest of souls for this end time, Lord. And we thank you that we will yield to you, we will humble ourselves, we will lay down what we think, what we want, what we feel, and we will surrender ourselves to you, your holy hand. We will surrender ourselves to your refiner's fire, and that you would purge us and make us like you, Lord. So we thank you. We give you the glory. We give you the honor and the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Tony.
0: Oh. You're awesome. Thank you.
1: Thank you. <laughs> thank you
0: again for having me. Thank you. Well, you're just an amazing person and so much wisdom.
1: And I um, I just can't wait to see what else God will continue doing through you. Well, thank you. And same here, likewise. Congratulations on your upcoming book release. Thank you. Yes. Wouldn't be wouldn't happen without you. <laughs> That one moment from many oh, years wow. ago. It's crazy. I know.
0: Okay, well, thank you. Thank you. It's been fun. I know. For me, too. Friends, thank you for tuning in today and sharing your time with us. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe on iTunes or wherever you listen and leave a ratings or review to help others find the podcast. Also, I have a new book about raising teenagers that will release on August 18th. It's called Love Her Well 10 Ways to Find Joy and Connection with Your Teenage Daughter and it's been getting fantastic early buzz. You can pre-order it now online and then submit your receipt to receive pre-order incentives that can help you empower and pray for your teenager. You can find all of the links in today's show notes.